Hey everybody, welcome to Rain City Supercars, episode 47. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And, and we're still alive. We're still alive. We're still alive. Barely for me. Yeah, you had a rough week last, or this last week, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I got sick again. I ate something that decided to destroy me from the inside out, and that's all you want to know about that. I, I will say you look good. You look good. Yeah. And that's the important thing. Massive yeah. starvation will do that to you when you're slightly <laughs> overweight. <laughs> I'll pass that along to all the children in Africa. <laughs> you're starving. Star- you're huge. Start well, starving. here comes our first hate mail. Exactly. So moving on. <laughs> oh, that would not be, and you know it's not our first, first hate, hate mail. mail. Of the day. Speaking of that, I got challenged by one of our uh, listeners this weekend, who will remain nameless, who decided to bring his PT Cruiser into my event this weekend. I saw that. I think and, you have and do it, more And do it while thumbing at me. <laughs> so, no. So he knows who he did, and he knows what he did, but it's okay. I think Sean, I love that Sean did that yeah. just to mess with you. I saw the photo. I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a nice car. I mean, you know, if, if you want to be a poor, lonely housewife from Renton. But uh, <laughs> no, he's very understanding. Uh, again, we'll remain nameless, but uh, he knows who he knows what he who he is and what he did. But that's he okay. put a, he, it was a good joke. And I oh, absolutely. Him for it. it was well played. That's yes. why that's yeah. so great. But it's hard to drive home without an oil pan. So whatever <laughs> his thing. You did a little work on the uh, the cruiser this weekend, didn't yep. you? Getting ready yeah. for winter, uh, and actually possibly to sell it pretty soon. But I put Metal Tech upper and lower control arms in the rear, sway bar bushings. I attempted to do the front lower control arms, but by the time we got into that thing, removing the uh, torsion bars and everything else, it was just more work than I wanted to do that day. So I'll save that one for another time. The, they're holding grease. They just squeak a little bit. Okay, a lot. But they'll get us there and back. <laughs> We've never been stuck in that car. No. Nope. I mean, and we have put it in some places where, well, I mean, our guest today has a vehicle that can go anywhere, but I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still pretty happy with the Cruiser, to say the least. Yeah. It, it has taken us through some stuff. We've seen some. We've seen some things. See, I beat myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as the weather changes, we just talked about last week with Avance. We had Adam from Avance on the yeah. show last guest. If you missed that episode, you need to listen to it because if you're not a member of Avance, I don't know what you're doing as a car enthusiast. Because and if you think you knew what Avance was, it's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly. another thing. Yeah. So, but more importantly, as things start to die in the car show season around here, we did have exotics last weekend, but this that might very well be the very last we're, one. We're going to try for, yeah, I, I mean, insider information here. I know the guy who's uh, who make the decisions. Two of them are standing at this table. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try, um, but uh, there's no guarantee that may have been it. Was If that was it, it was a great day, and um, we had a lot of wonderful cars that came out. Really surprisingly, car, surprising cars that came out, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was on call this weekend, so I had to miss that one, but it looked like a great event. We had the dune buggy that belonged to... Um, is it Steve McQueen's? No. What was it? I'm, I'm yeah, saying it'd be horrible, I but I think it was. It was the one from the original Thomas Crown Affair, yes, right? Yes, yeah. So. I recognized it when I saw it and knowing exotics, I was like, that's gotta be the same yeah. car. Beautiful car. Yeah. Beautiful. Really beautiful cool. Car, so. I was very jealous. I missed that. Well, I mean, but speaking of dune buggies, land cruisers, off-road vehicles, we got a new guest this week. We do. And it's, uh, pick your name, Brandon, Ben Powell. We'll probably call him a different name every time. Okay. I'm going to call him Ben. <laughs> I'm going to call him Bob. Okay, Chris, you can go. 
<laughs> welcome, bud. How yeah, are welcome. you? Thank you. No, it's great to be here. I've listened to you guys for a while, know you through. And you still wanted the, to come I in. I still wanted to come. <laughs> Obviously, I know you from exotics. Uh, yeah. I remember the first time I showed up, it was in a Jeep, and I just happened, it was in my... Uh, search and rescue jeep had all my logos and stuff on it and me and a couple of my friends went down there and we just it was my first time going to exotics and i was pulling up and i didn't know what i was doing so i saw cars all in a line i was like okay so i got in line thinking i'm heading in to go parking and they're and they're like somebody waved me over and they're like sorry this is the line to come in and then somebody else came over and was like no no park that thing in here and they waved me in and they parked me at the show and that was my first time ever coming so. well and i think that's an important thing in the fact that with exotics is like we really try especially dan and i and jason and tom and everybody we try to find these unique vehicles that people that everybody thinks we go oh nope it's exotic cars and that's it but we really try to find vehicles and your jeep is as is beautiful but not as interesting as, and as well known as your Pensgauer, correct? Pensgauer, yeah, correct. which is a 72, am I right? If I'm looking at the sticker right here, the S- same vintage as I am. Same vintage as you are. Right. Um, it is it, it's well known in the community. It's well known in the car community, it's well known in the uh, the rescue community. You just did a wonderful uh, video with eGarage and Ben Ben uh, Abrams from eGarage, which is really cool, but give us a little background on that because I mean, a lot of I mean, I've seen it driving on the road before and um, don't know anything about it. Yeah, so the Pinsgauer was a very purpose-built vehicle. Um, I had been doing search and rescue for about 10 years. Search and rescue in King County is all volunteer. Actually, the whole concept of a citizen volunteer search and rescue organization started in King County back in the 50s, uh, and it sort of blossomed from there. One of the arms of that organization is the 4x4 arm. Uh, I've been a member, been doing uh, that and a few other aspects of search and rescue for about 10 years. The first six or seven of them, I had that Jeep, and I had built, rebuilt it three times. By the time that I made it to that exotic show, it had been supercharged and, you know, four inches of lift and, you know, 37s. And, well, it has and, to go where other people <laughs> can't go and have been stuck. It yeah. was it was a great vehicle, but the challenge was even as, you know, as small as it was and as big as it was, the ability was not there. It certainly could get a lot of places in terms of its off-road capability, but I could still only fit. I remember one mission, uh, I had to get a bunch of firefighters all the way out to the Goldmeyer Hot Springs. And these guys are Nebraska cornbread, cornbread beef, you know, big guys. And so they were... Uh, big dudes, big, wide big shoulders. Dudes. We, very <laughs> yeah. wide shoulders and, and very tall. And I... And I I felt bad because in order to fit them plus their backboard in, we slid the backboard in above the roll bar, bottom below the roof, and that took up a bunch of the headspace. And so the guy in the middle was sort of to the side the whole time. Uh, and so, you know, I crammed those five guys in there plus all their gear, and it was everything I could do to get the five of us out to Goldmeyer Hot Springs plus all of our gear. And I thought, I need a different footprint. So I started shopping for something that had, you know, still small that I could get turned around and and still work well on our trails, um, but had more carrying capacity. And the Pinsgauer is about the size of a two-door Jeep in terms of wheelbase, Land Cruiser Defender 90 or two-door Jeep JK, that sort of that footprint in its wheelbase. But I can fit 10, I have seatbelts for 10 people in there. And it's an incredible vehicle. And Dan, I was just realizing that this is the second person we've had on the podcast that has, has done search and rescue. DJ, yeah. remember, was part of that Hummer club that basically the, is H1. A, the H1 club where if things go bad, <sighs> they him. they go get doctors and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah good I've buddy met, of I've ours. I've met him out at Tahuya. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, again, as we said a million times on here, the car world is the smallest world you might imagine. <laughs> it is quite small. So uh, well, this podcast is about you, and that's what we want to focus on in a minute. I do want to talk about the Pinscar a little bit because it's an most people who, have, unless they've seen yours, <laughs> yeah. really have never seen a Pinsgauer. And there's actually quite a few in Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I've noticed that. I was, there was one for sale on Avance the other day, and I noticed you chimed in on that, which was really cool. 
Uh, but Pinsgauer and was it Unimog actually share a lot of history as well, right? They are, yeah. So same manufacturer, Steyr Pook, uh, Steyr, um, which is the same Steyr that got bought by Daimler sometime later on, um, because they also build the G wagon. So Steyr has designed and built the original G wagon. So they built the, some good things and some bad things. Okay, good to know. Um, <laughs> they, the, and, the, and the Unimog and the Pinsgauer and a thing called the Halflinger and a, quite a few others. Sure, some of them. Halflingers are pretty cool. The Halflinger and the Pinsgauer are essentially the same, same. only yeah. different different yeah. footprint, different size. I've uh, always wanted a Unimog. <laughs> I mean, I want a Pinsgauer too, but you know. Well, we have a friend with one of those too. I Sam, understand. Sam Work I know. has one as well. I was yeah. hanging out at his shop the other day and we were chatting because I'm putting a Cummins 2.8 liter in my FJ40. He was having conversations around, wait a minute, we should think about doing one of these in the Pinsgauer. And, and the, I you know, believe the Doug from Driver's Club is doing a 2.8 Cummins in his FJ40 as well. Right yeah. now? Yeah. Oh, I think he's already done with it. Actually, I think it's already got it. I think it's 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 driving around. Yeah, that's right. Here, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an aluminum frame. Like, yeah, nice. You got to see that. I'll introduce you. I would love to. Yeah, we so know. I just started. I just got my crate. We're already the, the gears are already <laughs> turning in my head. So yeah, the 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 ha- excuse me, the Pinsgauer was built by Steyrpook. Uh, it was only available to military, so it was military use only vehicles. My particular vehicle was used from the 70s, from what I can tell, late 80s, early 90s, actively by the Swiss Army. When the Swiss got done with it, uh, it went to a reseller in Austria, and it was a purchased by a Sony executive producer. He brought it into his personal collection and went into San Diego. It was down there for a decade or two, pretty much untouched. Uh, and then at that point, he got he owed some money to his financial guy. He had to give him the Pinsgauer as part of the money he owed. That guy ended up with it. He's like, I don't know what this is or why I would want it. He threw it <laughs> up on eBay. I had been shopping for one. I called him, took it off eBay. We did a deal, flew down to San Diego, and it was on a truck. Were they used in America by the, the armed forces, or was it, was it a European no, kind of thing? the second generation Pinsgauers, which had turbo diesels, there was a small number of those that were used by U.S. Special Forces. So there oh, were okay. a very small number, um, okay. but not, not many. Most of them were overseas. Okay, interesting. The Swiss Army. Yeah. That they have to drive up and make the knives, and it, it's tough. One really interesting <laughs> thing about Unimogs, Pinsgauers, uh, and Mercedes G-Wagon 4x4 squares is they use portal axles. And is that you, the drop? Yeah. Yeah, the drop axles, like when they, it comes to the wheel and then it drops, right? Super cool, yeah. yeah. It's a gear yes. reduction drive system within the hub. That's right, yeah. So the axle comes in at the top of a planetary gear set behind each wheel, okay. which then further reduces the final gearing at the right at the wheel level. So it does two things. One, it gets you lower gear gear ratios. Two, it lifts all the drivetrain much higher, and you get a lot more clearance on a very on a vehicle that's not sitting any taller than a lot of other vehicles. Did they, is that, did they use that type of thing on the H1? Is that the same way they no. got the height out no. of that? No. They use uh, independent suspension on the H1. They just made everything bigger on the H1. Bigger. Yes. Because <laughs> I know it was, everything was tucked up there, but, you know, and I mean, you look at some of those those new G-Wagon 4x4s, and I'm, I've yet to see one actually off-road. Uh, <laughs> that's not why you buy a G-Wagon 4x4 squared. The last time I was at Exotics, I was parked right next to I know, one of those I know, things. exactly, yeah. I thought that was ironic. I, I took a picture of the two of those them. A lot. I think they're really cool, but that would be the vehicle I'd buy if I was had a lot of money and didn't care. Oh, did you see that there, somebody is selling their 6x6 six six for $1.4 million? Well, I'm sure some ridiculous Kardashian fan will buy it. Again, only time I've ever seen it off-road is on, in the sand on Top Gear. I'm not sure the seats are wide enough for a no, Kardashian. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> These butt pads are not made. You can do two of them. Well, you just reduce the injections. And <laughs> in the car or in the Kardashian? <laughs> yes. Car or Kardashian? Kardashian. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's it. 
No, I had, I, to be truthful, I had heard about, you know, Unimogs and, and the Penzgar, but I had never seen one until I saw yours. In fact, I didn't see one until we had you in center court that one day. Yep. And you, uh, as you were coming day. into center court and you had everything open. And most people, like, nobody was able to get by this because everybody wanted to be inside of it and seeing what it is and playing with it. And it yep. was so awesome. Actually, that's not an accident. When one of the criteria when I was looking for a replacement vehicle was something that would attract people. One of the biggest challenges we have with search and rescue in general is just people being educated. Sure. And so the advantage the Pinsgauer is at those kinds of shows, kids will come flocking over. I open up and let them crawl all over it. Then while the kids are entertained, parents are captive audience and I can give them some basic education and just say, hey, we have some great areas. You're going to love to explore it. But when you do, here's a couple of things you really need to know. And that just helps us. Yeah, it is a... I'll provide the playground and then teach you something. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. yeah there's eye-catching and then there's that thing. And that's the nicest Pinsgauer I've ever seen online as well, even. I've never seen a vehicle, a Pinsgauer in that condition that's used. And that one just makes it better for me. I love seeing the, the trail rash on the, the beadlocks and... Uh, the, I think you had like a bent rear bumper stay I, yeah, last time. I just got I, that. Re- I just got it replaced. I was just like <laughs> uh, it just added character to me. I love yeah. this thing. The first time I saw it though was actually I think at Mule, and Probably. I posted a photo, and then a mutual friend of ours, Galen Blank, said, "Hey, I know that guy. That's my friend Ben or Brandon or whatever he said." And Chris Sack. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He goes, you know, he, he works with us. And so I was like, oh, I got to make this connection. So I think I messaged you on Instagram and I said, so, you've yeah. got to bring this thing to exotics because this thing yeah. is awesome. Yeah, and that's how I got their opening day that, that year. Yeah, you got their opening day. And man, what a crowd it drew. Because we had that and Same. we had the Unimog. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we had a bunch of off-road vehicles that day. I think Mule even brought their vehicle out that day. or Not that one. Not no. that day, yeah. yeah. But it's funny how much vehicles, unique vehicles are my favorite now. I've seen all the exotics Literally, I've seen all the exotics. Unless somebody has a Vector W8, please bring it by. But I've seen all the rest of them. You're really on that, aren't you? <laughs> I want this. I understand. No, I'm just... <laughs> it's the car from Rising Sun. With yeah, well, yeah. Sean Connery. very the, familiar the with it. I've seen the W12. I've never seen a W8 in person. And I, I've, I've seen... I I've been in and I've seen every poster car I've had that I've ever since I was a kid. I've driven all of them even. I've ridden in them and driven them. But never a W8. But anyway... I digress. I digress. (laughs) So unique vehicles in my opinion now to me that have done this for so long are by far more interesting to me than just the write a check, get the fancy car, except the McLaren. We've talked about that. The Pacific Northwest obviously lends to this search and rescue thing because we got a lot of idiots here that don't know what the hell they're doing. Like kids who get stoned in the forest with their mom's SUV. I don't want to talk about that. I still want (laughs) to... We found we, some kids in the middle of the forest and helped them out. Doesn't surprise me at all. Usually, and then a on the year way later, we, were, we 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 got a Land Rover of my parents stuck, and these kids happened to be in the same area, walking by. We spent four hours digging these kids out, and, we and they proceeded to walk by us, going, "Hey guys!" I'm like, "Don't offer to help." Yeah, the next time you're freezing to death, <laughs> they're I'm lucky they let weren't you. buried in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were in a snowbank, and it took a jeep club and us to pull them out. More, anyway. more than a few times on our way to a mission, we've passed those people and. Typically, our response is, if you're still here when we are done and we come back, then we'll give you a hand. You're in less danger than the person we're going to find right now. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how you got into search and rescue, more about your car stuff, and everything else about you. We'll be right back. And we're back. That last break was brought to you by the free sensor beep I downloaded. Rectum. Sorry. So, Mark, how long have you been into uh, (laughs) Pinsgowers? So, Pinsgowers, I started... (laughs) I'm kidding you. We want to talk more about the search and rescue. We want to we want to talk about how you got into that. How somebody? I mean, I'm I'm assuming too to kind of cover this too. You're in it, but you guys are always out there looking for people for help and things like that. But how did you get into it? 
Yeah, so it's actually our mutual friend. So uh, Galen Blank, who we mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, he and I were working together at the time, and he said, I heard of this thing called Search and Rescue. It was the Give Campaign, which I, you mentioned at, on last podca- podcast as well. Um, and he said, you want to come check this out with me? So we went down to the booth, and we got a little bit of information about Search and Rescue and looked at what the training process was. They're like, you know what? If all we did was the training, that just sounds like a blast. So we ended up going through the training together. He and I had a great time. We did outstanding during the training, learned a lot, had a great time doing it. Uh, and then just from there, which was the hiking unit, we ended up getting into the four by four unit and it's kind of just snowballed from there. And he and I have been doing it together in one form or another since that time. Snowballing usually is the reason why people need search and rescue. So that's good. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I was, uh, so I watched his really cool e-garage video. There will be a link to it. Uh, if you go to our webpage, when you click this link and you're listening to this, you'll be able to see the e-garage video. You'll see a ton of the photos of this pin scour because the photos are amazing. But, uh, one of the things I didn't realize Search and Rescue did, and I have family in law enforcement, so I'm kind of embarrassed about this, is I didn't realize Search and Rescue did a lot of city stuff as well. It's not just going out in the yeah. woods and rescuing people. It's actually finding people who, dementia patients, things like that, who get lost, people who are downtown and kind of get lost in the cities and things like that. Yeah, so in King County last year, we had 172 missions. So every two and a half days or so, we were doing something. So in addition to sort of the hiking and injuries and the stuff you think about in the backcountry, we also do a lot of urban stuff. And that is a whole range of things. Dementia patients, elderly walkaways, people who get lost downtown. You know, you can take 30 cops off beat or you can call us. We can set up a grid search. We can get 70 to 80 people and we can cover a much bigger area in a much, you know, much smaller uh, period of time. Um, but we also do crime scene investigations. So if somebody commits a crime and they throw a weapon in the bushes, we go clear the bushes, locate that weapon and get that back. Um, if we do body recoveries, so if somebody perishes and they perish in an area where the medical examiner can't get to the body, they send us in, we package it up, document the scene, get the body down to where the medical examiner can take possession because they're accountable in the state of Washington for having possession of that, that body once a person is deceased. We get it to them, hand over chain of custody, and then they take it from there. Uh, if somebody finds parts of a person, but not all of a person, we go find the rest of it. So okay. we do a whole range of things that people just don't realize. And it's it all volunteer. Like law enforcement's getting lazy, if you ask yeah. me. But not, no, I'm just kidding. No. If, they get anybody, if they can hire anybody at this point. I think that's your third hate mail. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm fine. Keep, if I'm keeping yeah, well, score. We have a that, ton of law enforcement. If you piss off law enforcement, say. they don't give you hate mail. They find you. Don't you worry. <laughs> exactly. Why would you pull me over? We'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually seen the search and rescue back when I worked in Spokane. Yeah. Um, and I worked uh, on the river at a place called the Spokane Club and, and on New Year's Day people would unfortunately jump off the bridge yep. and search and rescue would come down and, and like you said secure the scene because the metal examiner, medical examiner down there was just lazy and he could have walked down the bank but he wouldn't for this poor <laughs> person so I digress but yes it's been interesting to watch the Snoqualmie Falls enhancements to try to alleviate that and so if you're just a visitor to the falls you know, they've added a lot of paths and stuff, and it sort of looks like it's just investment for the sake of making the experience better. But most of, not I don't know if most of it, that may be overqualifying, but quite a bit of that is just to try to get people further back from the points where they can actually get over the edge and additional fencing and stuff like that, because it's unfortunately one of those places where they choose to go. Okay. My brain yeah, just yeah. doesn't work that way, thank God, and I, I would hate it if it did, but it's interesting that that, that, that they're doing that, because <laughs> I've been out there and I was like, oh, this is really nice, but now I look at it going, Oh, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, you see it with different eyes now. You can't now. see You're the welcome. falls very well here, yeah. but you also couldn't get over the rope and jump. So I, yeah. I remember one time we went out to Snoqualmie Falls for a recovery, and it was unfortunately somebody who got stuck partway down. They didn't make it to the bottom, and so we had to actually set up complex rigging and send a couple of teams from the top over the edge down. And it was pouring down. Rain was coming up, 
the, 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 the falls. And so we were out there in the middle oh. of the night, pouring down rain, 50 people, all volunteer going down and helping make sure that person got home. So are you always family. on call? We're always on call, so okay. it's 24-7. Um, okay. the re- we, we have fairly large numbers. The reason we try to train and have large numbers is because it is volunteer and people's schedules are all different. Sure. You know, thankfully where I work, they're very generous in terms of, you know, supporting nonprofit and charity kinds of things. And I've always told my management, like, this is something I am. This is part of my identity. And, you know, when, when things call, come that get, if things come up that need people, I'm going to, you know, make an effort to go. And that will mean leaving in the middle of the day sometimes. And they're always very, very, well, it's not like you're out there doing something bad for the environment. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go out and rescue people. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) just be back in an hour (laughs) we have a meeting in an hour so that person better get back soon that's right you take this meeting while you're driving yeah exactly (laughs) funny story but yes I've been on conference calls on the way too and said some interesting things when I thought I was on mute I wasn't on mute and so got good response (laughs) oh we've all done that yeah (laughs) what is your what is your home area what's your range here so we are um, so in Washington state as in most states the county sheriff is accountable for providing the function of search and rescue. And there's a definition of what's included in that. And it's a bunch of the stuff that I enumerated earlier. So we're, we're badged up through the sheriff's office and the, the agency that we report into is, is King County Sheriff. So when somebody calls 911 and says, my loved one never came home or I've tripped and broken my ankle or whatever it is that kind of initiates the call, 911 triages that that goes to the King County Sheriff's office and they then have a system they use to notify us. And most people get it on their phone, either as a text message or an email or or something along those lines. And that gives us the basics of the mission. And then we basically respond in and say, yep, I can respond. I should be out at that location, wherever the command post is in the next 45 minutes or whatever. And we start planning based on those resources calling in. It really, it, 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 Thralls me? Oh, that's the wrong word. Interest? Uh, interest me. Thank you. Sorry, it's been a long day. It's <laughs> only Monday. work, too. But, I mean, just to see, because, I mean, you see some of those command posts be set up through the news and things like that, but you always wonder how that comes together and stuff. But you guys really can go statewide, right, if you need, if you were needed? Yeah, it's actually a yeah. national accreditation. National, so the, okay. the certification that we were, that we're, you know, trained up under is uh, based by national standards. And so we actually have people that have gone out to Katrina and a lot of these, you know, we're all had a bunch of people up at Oso when the mudslide happened. So we can certainly go all over. It's an interagency request to do that. And especially in our area, we do a lot with Kittitas because the county line is right down one of the, um, the snow runs right there down one of the the ski lines. Uh, A lot of missions will start on this side of the pass and roll over into Kittitas County. Um, We also do a lot with Snohomish. They're pretty active. They have a large uh, area where people... A lot of hiking there, up there. A lot of hiking up there. And, granite, and, yeah. and when people get hurt and, you know, when their resources start getting exhausted, especially on the multi-day, like that lady that was missing for... The hiker that was missing for a while, will go up and, and assist. And then a lot of the smaller counties around us, some of the southern and, and out on the peninsula. Just can't afford a big rescue team. They don't, yeah, like they that. don't yeah. have... But, well, I was noticing a ton of them are being called. I mean, obviously, with everything going on in South Carolina, North Carolina, and things like that, there's a ton of like the area. Like they've had, they're bringing people in from Texas and all the way. I mean, they're oh, yeah. coming from everywhere to go into that yeah. water zone. Yeah. Well, without putting you too much on the spot, what's uh, one of the more interesting missions you can talk about that's fun to share? <laughs> there's got to be one that just jumps out. As there's a bunch that jump out. Some are more graphic and sort of less appropriate to share broadly. Some well, we're of them a podcast. Are more Nobody can see this. <laughs> um, 
the the one there's a couple that are most meaningful for me and so you mentioned the e-garage video and there's actually two there's a teaser a two-minute version and then there's the the longer version yeah i talk about the one that kind of got me hooked in search and rescue and sort of made me a lifelong rescuer in that one so i won't reiterate that one one of the but one of the other ones that was kind of really meaningful was a mountain biker uh, that had gone up and he was off mountain biking and uh, he clearly had gone up over and down a little ledge and hit so hard it actually split his helmet into two pieces and he kind of ended up his bike and him flipped over into the into the bushes and uh, we looked for a long time and so I was actually that was the first mission where I was the person who made the find Um, and I was come up and over with the jeep and I had you know truth be told gear geek guy i was literally just playing with my lights i had every light that i had on which was a lot of them yeah and i was just sort of lighting up all these lights and because of that i happened to know and i was guy in front so i could get away with that and i was playing with my spotlight and all this and i happened to catch a glint in the stop in the on the side of the road and so i stopped uh, and if i hadn't been playing screwing around i don't know if i would have seen that but it happened to be part of his bike pedal and so we went over there and sure enough we found the guy and it was a place where we could get the rescue team up and in and they could drive up pretty much drive to him uh, right there on tiger mountain uh and they told us later they're like yeah he had a bleed on the brain because of the impact that he took and they're like if you hadn't found him when you did he probably would not he'd not be here today and that guy actually is at microsoft and uh he for years during the give campaign would be set up we'd go set up at the commons right there at the studios and he'd come over and he'd give me a hug and he'd write a check as a donation and leave and never say and he never said anything i I, I, to this day i don't remember his name and and whatnot but uh he still makes a donation every year and I think it's always important. I was growing up, my mother was a big, it's a, no matter where you go or what you do, tell somebody that you're going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, stuff like that, like, I mean, I've, I've been a mountain biker and I've crashed and I've been out riding by myself and I've had to drag myself. I've never done anything that worse. I mean, I've cracked helmets and stuff just because of my weight but <laughs> on my head, but it's important because it, if somebody doesn't know that you're missing and could take days before somebody goes, oh, you're you're not there. So Yeah, the whole concept of search and rescue is really around two primary pieces of data, and that's point last seen or last known point. Point last seen is preferred. What that means is somebody physically saw you at a place and can say, I saw him. I saw that guy, Nick, mountain biking up in that area at 3 o'clock this afternoon. We've now got a really clear starting point, and we can start building a grid search based on that. And we look at your level of mobility and training and skills and equipment and all that stuff. I saw him at 3, and he was huffing and puffing, so... He should we'll be say, about 15 yeah, feet up the trail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, or if we can't get point last seen, then we go based off of last known point. And sure. last known point is your car. Like yeah. If we can find your car at a trailhead, we know you had to get out of your car to start up whatever trail you were going, and we can start building off of that. That's harder because we don't know exactly what time you parked there and all that stuff. And so we really just want to build a grid. We want to figure out, you know, where's the most probable place you are based on what you are going to go do and draw a containment around you and start closing in until we can locate you. Man, I feel sorry for search and rescue in Canada right now, just because of all the empty space. Oh, there. I see what you. I was got, like, I was like, what happened? Did I not? I've, just, I've gone exploring oh, yeah. up there on my own, yeah. and oh, gra- just gravel roads and stuff. In, mm-hmm. in the cruiser, I went up days. to Banff and Jasper, and it's like, I remember taking the drive from Banff to Jasper. This is a highway, mind you, but I did it in March, and it was negative forty in the ice fields there. And I remember driving up there, and I'm like, man, I am so glad I have cell reception because I haven't seen anybody for two hours, and it's negative forty degrees out. <laughs> Yeah, if you only do one thing, letting somebody know where you're going, what it is you're going to go do, and when you expect to be back, that is probably the single one single best thing you could go do. There's a bunch of other stuff that you can do that just sort of better increases your odds. And, you know, the saddest part is we rescue a lot of people. It's like, 
I hike by myself all the time in this area. I do this exact same thing and I've never had a problem. But that one time you trip and break your ankle and you're too far out to make it back on your own. And there's cougars or mountain lions or whatever, like all the stuff that goes oh, on. Oh, mountain lions don't area. get bikers. It's fine. No, yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> then, never then you're screwed. And you yeah. kind of, you know, even though you've done it a million times before, that doesn't, that sure. doesn't account for that one time when things go sideways. And if, if somebody knows where you are and how long you're going to be gone and when you're coming back and they know what you intended to go do, we've got a great starting point and we've got some really good solid data to work from and we're much more likely to find you quickly hmm. the more you know <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so before we move on from search and rescue if somebody wants to get involved with search and rescue what do they do where do they go yeah oh. the best thing is to go to kingcountysar.org um, SAR for search and rescue. So right. SAR, kingcountysar.org. We actually have eight different units in King County with different specialties. So there's a unit that specializes in four wheel drive vehicles. There's a unit that specializes in hiking. There's a unit that specializes in ski patrol, unit that specializes in dog handling. There's a horse unit. There's a whole bunch of different units that kind of have different specialties. If you like being outdoors and you like generally being kind to other people, those are really the only two things that you really need at your disposal to, to get involved. I like involved. being outdoors, but that kind to other people thing, <laughs> That's the vibe that no, I was no, picking yeah, exactly, up, so yeah. not surprised. Yeah, let's talk about me. Uh, no. <laughs> but definitely go take a look. And then the other thing is just, you know, one of the really great advantages of living in Washington State is the incredible opportunities within a short drive from where we are. You can get to some amazing countryside. And there are a lot of people, hundreds of people. Um, just as an example, last year I said we had 172 missions. We, vo we drove over 400,000 miles that volunteers paid for out of their own pocket. So there's a lot of people putting in a lot of time to do this. If nothing else, go check out the sites. And if one of them, like if you're into the dog team or you're, you know, have a affinity for hiking, go to one of those units, make a donation. Um, that those people spend a lot of time. They're putting in a lot of hours and they can definitely use the support. If you want to get engaged, then by all means, all the details to the units and how to get involved and learn, you can learn a lot. And it's a great, great group of people to get engaged with. Well, and I want to use this opportunity to kind of plug your Instagram because you're bringing up SAR because it's <laughs> at SAR Pins, P-I-N-Z, which is a great Instagram page to follow. And you get to kind of see some of the stuff you do with Thanks. the Pins Gower and things like that. It's so. kind of taken on a life of its own. Which is good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have a, a good friend of ours, Jason Boryog, has got a, a, a bus, Stella. And the oh, same I thing. Yeah, Stella, Stella, absolutely. Bus. Stella I, the I bus. Stella yeah, the bus. Absolutely. So <laughs> takes on a mind of her own. That's right. I'm not sure Jason understands that, but <laughs> it's not real, Jason. It's real to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sarpin started, you know, when I picked it up and I really just, I didn't want to, I didn't want my wife to get tired of me crowding my pictures of family on my primary Instagram. So I just created it off to the side and yeah, it just exploded. And, you know, it's most recently a, a solar company has reached out to me, Sunflare Solar, and they're getting into overlanding and they just needed a project to kind of prove some stuff out. And they're like, Hey, can we help put solar panels on your Pinsgower? And I'm like, okay, but I, if you're going to do that, I want to help with the design. I have some ideas on how to do that in a way that's going to add maximum utility. They partnered with me and they're putting solar panels on it and it's going to just add to the value of, the, of the, what we do in search <laughs> and rescue. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, when you think about it, you, it's one of those things like you go, oh, solar panels on an off-road vehicle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it's just like once you think of it, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, we, we can be on a mission. I might be sitting out there for seven or eight hours doing radio relays where literally I'm just parked and I've got, because I have multiple radios in the rig and good antennas, I can park up on a ridge because I can get to ridges that some other vehicles can't. And I can intercept calls coming in from the field and relay that information down to wherever our command is if they can't get there directly. And I might be sitting there for hours and hours and hours at a time. Uh, and as it gets into dark, you've got lights on, you've got radios running. And so as a 24 volt vehicle, I can't just go get a simple jump start. Um, I have to 
to you know be a little more self-sufficient. So I've got extra banks of batteries and he's solar extra and stuff like that. What he's trying to tell I am, us. I am definitely extra. We just met and clearly picking up the vibe. Exactly right. Yeah. So what what tickled your your fancy for four by fours and off road cars in general though? I mean, you had a Z four I saw before this. It was a fun. That's a fun car. It's a terrible Supra Toyota. You suck. <laughs> but uh, I like the Z four as it is. Next next letter. <laughs> I'm. Oh, I agree. I'm a BMW that. guy, and I still think it's the dumbest well, thing in the world. Well, what do you expect from yeah. the company that introduced us to the Prius? Left lane Prius. I, lo- I follow left lane Prius. We love those guys. Great freaking <laughs> it's a great Instagram. It's like, yes, all my anger in a picture. Anyway. On, my, on my Raptor, I had Prius repellent on a, <laughs> as a sticker directly above the exhaust pipes on the rear. So. Did you see that? Po- I hate to go off on this, but uh, <laughs> it was like, it was a Prius. He took a photo. It was like, everything is love. <laughs> and the caption was, you. <laughs> yep. yep. Pretty much. Anyway. Yeah. So yep. back to his question. How did you get into this? Yeah. yeah. So cars, uh, I've always been at from as, uh, as, as young as I can remember, I've always had a thing for cars. And, and in fact, so much so, and I change cars very regularly that people who know me, when I see them, if I haven't seen them in a little while, they'll ask what I'm driving before they ask how I'm doing, because <laughs> inevitably I will have had turnover. So right now I have five cars and I think the longest I've owned any of the current five is the Pinsgauer and that's three years. Wow. Um, so the other, the others are all have turned over within that period of time. And I usually have one or two a year I'm going through. Uh, and they're a mix of daily drivers and fun cars. And so if I go through the current list, I have a BMW M235i that I just bought. That oh, that's I, a great car. That I drive daily. Really fun. And I, I've only had it for a couple of weeks, and I've already almost, it almost looks nothing like the day I drove it away from Landmark Motors. Yeah, we have no idea what that's like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I have a Ford Explorer, which is what I haul, because I have ATVs that I use for search and rescue as well. Okay. Uh, during the winter, I throw snow tracks on those, and I think I'll go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then I have a Toyota FJ40, a 78 FJ40 that I'm doing the R2.8 diesel conversion on, uh, the Pinsgauer, and then I also have a Cherokee Chief, uh, a 1975 Jeep Cherokee Chief that I bought to do the Gambler 500 with. Is the Cherokee um, Chief the pickup truck? No, that's the what later became the, the Comanche. Became the Comanche. Grand Wagoneer okay. and the Wagoneer. And okay, then, so, all right. So is it a two-door or four-door? This one is a two-door. Okay, two-door. It, wow. Yeah, it's a two-door wagon. Uh, and cool. this is totally ghetto lifted with blocks and well, welding things. Uh, yeah, it's a gambler. It is totally a gambler. So uh, we're in the process of getting that ready. Did you see that they're, they they were just on Jay Leno's garage? I, I, yeah, I and they're Leno expecting there. close from eight hundred to a thousand people doing it this year. Yeah, there. That's that's an organization that is trying to keep up with the massive growth. There's clearly pent up de- demand for people getting involved in sort of fun. What I what I love about Gambler though is the fact that in the course of doing it, not only going out and have a great time and just kind of hooning stuff and, and you sort of go run what you brung, um, but they're also picking up trash and doing some stuff to kind of have a positive impact and as along the way. And I I think that's a great balance when you can do both. I'll never forget back uh, when I worked at a motorcycle shop. I was I did a I did like a hot dog cookout thing at Walker Valley. And I said, and I put it up on our webpage. And I said, if you want a free hot dog, you got to bring back trash. It's like, give me a handful of trash. That's it. And all I did is go to Costco. And I didn't buy the Costco dogs at the time. We had no budget. So I was like, give me the cheapest hot dogs in bulk I can get, the cheapest buns I can get in bulk. Well, that trickled down to a bunch of the ATV clubs, a bunch of the 4x4 clubs, the Jeep clubs, the motorcycle clubs. And we flooded Walker Valley with so many people that the sheriff came out and he's like, is there an event? Because you guys need a permit. I was like, no, all I said is we're giving out hot dogs if you bring me trash. Well, then they pulled in like a giant trash bin, like one of those truck ones. They trucked it in. This is day of. 
and we've put a car in it. Because somebody, some one of the Jeep clubs pulled a car. Pulled a car all the way down. (laughs) That's not surprising. That parts of Walker are pretty rough. They picked Walker Valley clean of trash in a day. And I was like, why don't more people do this? Because that was all all we offered was hot dogs. We didn't have any cash, nothing. It was no drinks. It's like, it's amazing what somebody will do for a hot dog or a t shirt or. Yeah. That's fine. She's like, we'll give you hot dogs and feed your kids. And I spent, I think we spent. 150 bucks the whole day. On Any excuse to wheel. Yeah. And they were just like, everybody came out, but anyway. that's awesome. Well done. Yeah. I was, I was talking to somebody this weekend. They were talking and I don't know if it's an actual gambler thing that's happening, but it's like a gambler roulette where you build a car, you bring it to like a gambler event and then you draw cards. Everybody draws a card and whatever card you, so you may end up driving somebody else's card. Or, so you don't want to build a car that wins. You want to build a car that somebody else, you know, but it's it's a genius idea. It's like you bring it. Awesome. Yeah. So that sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? That does it's sound like, like a ton because everybody of fun. you you build the best car you think will make it because you know you're not going to really be driving it. It's like it's like a white elephant kind of yeah. <laughs> and that's the kind of rig you don't mind just putting any old person behind. Exactly. Because, yeah. You know, if it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it. You yeah. spent five hundred bucks. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, yeah, I, I'm three hundred and twenty five dollars into my uh, Cherokee Chief. Oh, slow down. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know Let Keith Northrop from Northrop Fabrication? I know the name. I don't know him. Okay. His rig, he's, we should connect you guys now that I'm thinking about it because he's someone who needs to be on your radar. His, his trophy rat, full-blown trophy truck, international, 37 international. Oh, 37 30 internationals. There's so much character. LS swap. <laughs> it's, but it's a trophy truck. That's like awesome. it jumps. It races. But I'm like, ah, anyway. So what did it start with, though? When you were a kid, what was your first car? All that stuff. You know, um, my very first car was actually given to me by my mom when she upgraded. I got a 1970 Chevy Nova, um, which she wrecked before I became legal driving age. Uh, I still remember coming home. I'm not sure if she was, I don't, to this day, I don't recall if she was actually injured. I just remember walking in and either she had a, a sling or a cast or something. And the first words out of my mouth was, mom, my car. What happened to the car? And, <laughs> and I can remember everything. I can remember I love you all, too, but what about the car? Yeah. I have no idea if she took injury, but I do know that the engine got pushed through the firewall into the back. And I could probably go through it and, and today still tell you all the damage that was done to the car. No idea if my mom got hurt. But so there's sort of my <laughs> starting point for it. So Chevy Priorities. Nova, which I never got to actually legally drive uh and then my uh stepdad and i went out and we found an old uh celica sport uh, and that was the that was kind of my first car and this was somebody had obviously hooned it it was had the most awful fast and furious paint stripes kinds of things on it long before fast and furious i was way ahead of the trend uh <laughs> and i remember on that car he was you know the carburetor wasn't working and i was working at mcdonald's all the time and i was late to work and he was trying to get it and he got it working just in time for me to leave and he didn't get the hood shut all the way before i left and so i was racing to work and i was going you know i was, I was already late to work and as i'm heading down the hill the hood flips up hits the top of the windshield, folds down, goes through the glass moonroof, covers me in glass, <laughs> and I managed to keep my wits enough to just sort of lay on the brake and, and come to a complete stop uh, and, and get the hood closed enough to make it to work and I get all the glass out of my bed. But that, so that was my second car. Toyota Celica, you may bleed, but you won't die. <laughs> but you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had a whole series of bad cars from that, some Oldsmobile, Cutlass something or other, uh, I had a, a Super Beetle. I had a Volkswagen cool Super car. Beetle. Um, 
that was the wife or the car that I was driving when I met my now wife. Uh, and I ran it out of gas in the middle of the night. I had to call her father-in-law or her dad, my father, now father-in-law to come and, you know, get us gas in the middle of the night. And sort of just could feel the condemnation and disgust <laughs> the whole entire time. I, to this day, I can still see that look on his face. In, in my oh, eyes, we're so. out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> and it was somewhere between like Darrington and our house. Like it was, we were, I was taking a back road from wherever I was to get all the way back. Yeah. So. Um, out five thirty there having some fun. Yep. My favorite experience in the my, my favorite experience in the Celica, we were driving and me and my best friend, uh, he was like, Hey, we're gonna impress these girls that we're picking up and, and taking. Um we're like, Okay, so we uh we on the side of the road there was this big, completely covered in ice field, uh, and we picked them up, we came back and as we were driving by I just turned and right out onto the field of ice and we just pirouetted <laughs> round and around and around all the way to the edge of the field and then junk the wheel dropped down into a ditch and we're stuck. And her dad is a state trooper. So we were like, oh. we have got to get out of here before word gets around to him that his, that we just put his He'll daughter think in I'm a ditch. pulling this again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we ended up, you know, we had a, a you know, guy we were living with had this 77 Chevy long bed pickup truck um, with a 292 straight six. Uh, and this thing was a tank, but it was forever long, but it was two wheel drive on like practically slicks because we had no money for tires. So he drives out to, to give us a yank. Well, of course he's immediately stuck. And this thing is 10 times as much weight as my car. So we went back to the apartment complex and we got a guy with a Toyota 4x4 and another guy with a Blazer and they came out and we hooked up the two of them and they're pulling on the big truck and we're all trying to figure out how to get that out. And then it dawns on us, we got enough people and it's like, we all walked over to my car. We lifted it up, set it onto the ice, and drove away. And I'm like, all right, well, thanks for helping. And we were thanks going. For the truck, <laughs> yeah. All right, cheers. Yeah. We're going to go on our date now. And yeah. We left my buddy and these other guys that were all in the middle of the. Yes, yeah, so. Long story right. history of bad cars all the way up to where I am now. A bunch of BMWs. Um, probably my best BMW, my favorite BMW. I had a um, BMW 318 Ti, 97 or 98. Yeah, I know the car. That's uh, a little like round hatchback, two-door, right? Yeah, okay. it has like a 1.9 liter. We pulled that out and put the 333 horsepower M3 drivetrain in it. Oh. Uh, and dropped it down. That thing, that was amazing. It was about 20, 25% less weight than regular 3 Series with the M3 drivetrain in it. It was still stock, but it had plenty of power. That thing was a blast. The balance, the handling. Uh, if my son hadn't thrown up in the back of the back seat of that car, I would probably still have that, but it was dead to me. Like it was kind of like Seinfeld when shoelaces hit the floor in the bathroom, yeah. he had to throw the shoes away. Yeah, Same thing. Done. Threw up in there. I'm, that's gone. I, I sold it. I think so that was when weekend. he got rid of his son. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, I kept the son. Dead to me. Thankfully I kept the son. <laughs> Um, just went shopping for his first sports car this last weekend after the Avance event. Uh, so he's he's a dev engineer at Bungie. Uh, he has a Nissan Frontier that he's had for you know since he turned 16, um, and he decided he wants a sporty car. So we started going and driving fun sporty cars for him, which was kind of cool. So just kind of seeing that nice. pass so, down. So what does a 19 year old want these days? What's he's 21. He's 21. 21. Sorry, 21. He's 21. Well, what he wants is a GTR. Uh, because he works as a dev engineer at Bungie, he could probably go afford a GTR. I'm not sure he could afford the insurance. Yeah. Um, but About 21. Yeah. But so he's, he's looking at kind of fun sport. Right now he's going to drive the BRZ. Uh, he drove the new brand new MX five. Uh, he loved that. He parking in the parking garage at Bungie 
is pretty pretty rough. So he wants small. He wants as small a footprint as he can get. Uh, I'm having him drive some of the older 1M, 1 Series convertibles and, 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 and little little BMWs. A BMW guy, I'm hoping to pass some of that Bavarian blood along, but he doesn't quite have the same. My wife's an Audi person, so uh, she's hoping he'll look at the TT. House and divided. Yeah, house that's, di- that's right. Yeah. Yeah. My daily's an Audi. His daily's a Beamer. <laughs> yeah. and I had a GTR. <laughs> yep. so. Yeah, you have an S4, right? RS4. No, I have an S4 in it S4. right now. That's it's right. a B8.5 S4, but yeah. I've had a B7 S4. I've had two B7 S4s. Yeah. You had the wagon I, too, didn't you? Yeah, an yeah. S4 Avant. Oh, sorry, S4 Avant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish if they made a B8.5 S4, I'd be uh, Avant. I would be all over it. I actually loved that car. I just uh, that. 4.2 V8 is not the best motor. <laughs> I really wanted my wife to get an Avant, and she got a minivan. And so I sold that when she was away on a girls' weekend and bought, her, barge. bought yeah. her another vehicle. <laughs> and she got rid of that and got another minivan. And then <laughs> I, I still remember the point where the kids kind of got old enough, and they were kind of starting to do their own thing. And she was like, I don't know if I need the minivan anymore. I think I got up that moment. Went out and drove it. was a Honda Odyssey. Drove it down to the Honda dealer. I'm like, whatever you'll give me, I'll take. <laughs> they handed me a check, and I drove away. It's like, the minute I could get that out of my household, the better. <laughs> Like you got a reputation happy. to uphold. That's we fine. all applaud you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. She we had somebody show up with an RS6 Avant this weekend. I saw that. Yeah, I had I had never seen one before. I would my, love you know to my dream car is an RS4 Avant. Like, but like, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Even being a BMW, that or I would love the BMW M5 wagon. Oh, those are gorgeous. Yeah. That oh, yeah. white conversion that we have that shows mm-hmm. up on occasion with the uh, the spider. I've only seen it in pictures. That's, oh, it's oh. gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Be still my beating. There's heart. a few E39 M5 wagons around here. There's, I mean, there's, there's a couple of them though. Like I said, have they've done that big V10. Yeah, swap the big swap. They, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's nice, but I want like the actual. The BMW made a European version of it. Like I said, mine, you know, my my daily's uh, what started life as a 325xi. About five minutes after we bought it, it was <laughs> being modified. Now it's full dining and all that, but which I love. And it, but it's 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 starting to show its age. <laughs> So you saw, you mentioned, we talked about it earlier. You got the 2.8 turbo diesel for the FJ40 now. Yes. Uh, how's that coming along? Because it looks beautiful even without it. it, it it's got 81,000 original miles. And so all the purists that it can't talk to, I won't even, I won't even bring up the project around them because I, I absolutely get vilified. Um, but this is a vehicle. I, so when we first got married, I had a, a Toyota FJ40. And the first time we went to go on a camping trip, my daughter was maybe nine months old. Um, my wife came out and in order to get all our camping gear in there, I had one of the suicide seats down and then all the camping gear was strapped to the ceiling and to the side. And there was like this <laughs> hole this daughter shaped hole in a car seat that she was supposed to stick my daughter in and she just, and i remember distinctly the look on her face as she stood there for a very long time and that's when i knew i was in trouble and i knew bad things were coming and she started and she turned and she looked at me and she's like i'm supposed to put our child in there and i'm like yeah she's like you're gonna have to get rid of this and so from that moment on i was like i will have another fj40 uh, and so then when my son turned, was kind of 14, 13, 14, I bought my second, which is a 75, and it was a piece of crap. I mean, this thing was bad. And so I picked up the Aqualoo tub for the rear and started swapping all out for stainless and got, got the drivetrain all done. And about that point, somebody we knew was very much in need. Their only vehicle got stolen. When it got returned, it had been completely stripped. They were pregnant. They were about to give birth to their first child, and they had nothing dependable to drive. And I'm like, 
I have a mechanically very dependable rig. It wasn't much to look at because we hadn't done anything with the body other than the tub was, was aluminum. I'm and just like, picturing him doing exactly what he did to his wife to this next person. You can take it camping and the baby goes right there. <laughs> so we gave it, so we donated this to the, to the friend in need and we're like, you know what? We had a perfectly good vehicle we didn't need to have and they had nothing. So we gave them Dan's, what would have been my son's first vehicle. Um, and so that kind of brings me to where I am now. And so I want this one to stay forever. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I look at it and, you know, the old, uh, the engines that are in the, the FJ forties are not, they're inefficient. They're loud. They tend to overheat. They're just not great engines. Uh, the two F they, they run, yeah. you can run them for a long time, but they're just lots of finicky. I, for me, I, I love the feeling. I love the smell. I love everything about the FJ 40. I want this thing to keep for the long haul. And so going to go to the five speed, going to go to the new split transfer case, going to put the R 2.8 in it and nice. start it up fuel injected. It'll run every, you know, I'll get yeah. 30 miles to the gallon. When did you buy this one? I bought this one earlier this year. Earlier this year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. come a long ways in a short amount of time. That's already. the, that's the red one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, okay. Yeah. And it was third owner. Uh, the first guy, first owner sold it to the guy who lived next to him. That guy had it for a long time. It was his beach vehicle. So the 81,000 original miles. Uh, and it's beautiful and inside and out. It's absolutely beautiful. And, I'm a big cruiser guy, obviously, and my biggest complaint with mine is that I can't yard the motor out of it and put it in a proper LS3 <laughs> or diesel because I don't care what anybody says. Anybody who's driven cruisers, any of them, the motors suck. Yeah. All of them. Even the 5.7, they're terrible with gas mileage. They're terrible with power. They're underpowered. They're overweight. They're not as reliable as people think. I don't know how many times that starter location in mine is to make me go find the engineer who built it and punch him in the face <laughs> because it's under the intake manifold. It's the worst design ever. Yep. But beyond that, it's it's ridiculously underpowered for the weight of the vehicle, and it's yes. not reliable. It so, makes me angry thinking on. about it because Toyotas they're, are so good, but they're, they're underpowered for the weight. You put at least an extra hundred pounds on it this weekend. What did that front bumper put on it that we put? Oh, on? probably two hundred fifty pounds <laughs> at least. I've got a I'm descent slapping. off road yeah. bumper on the thing, which is a fantastic build quality bumper. I love yeah. the thing, but. It needs an LS or a diesel. That's it. It's And it's a popular conversion on the 80 series because the 80 series are even worse. And everybody's got all this love for the 80 series. I'm like, until you've actually driven one for more than, I don't know, 10 minutes anywhere because it's, you're like, is this it? Is it broken? No, it's just that underpowered. That, that was my complaint with my JK. Uh, yeah. I had the first gen JK and I loved everything about that except for tons of electrical gremlins that I was constantly chasing yeah. and the power. And so I, you know, I, I did everything I could to try to use aluminum everywhere and, and to keep the weight down as much as possible. But with search and rescue, we carry so much extra gear. Yeah. It was just a hog. Even with the, I did the, um, the rip supercharger, the stage two supercharger and long tube header. I mean, I did everything I could to eke every minute of every extra piece of horsepower I could out of it. And it still always was underpowered. Yeah, and times have changed. And my, my formula is simple on everything to have the proper amount of power for a vehicle. You need a hundred foot pounds of uh, torque and a hundred horsepower per thousand pounds. That's the magic number for anything to be pretty quick enough to where you're not wishing, Oh, if it just had more power and you're a bit of a nerd. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, a bit. it's yeah, not a, it's bit. not a, bit. <laughs> But I'm like, that's, that's, that's the magic number, though, for pretty much any vehicle ever. If you've got that a sport, math actually makes pretty good sense in my yeah, head. If I kind of think about weights of stuff that I've driven and the power associated, that pretty And pretty it's good. a new day and a new time fun. where a 600-horsepower motor doesn't have to get six miles to the gallon. My Corvette gets better mileage on road trips than my S4 does. I yeah, can pull about 25 miles to the gallon in seventh gear in eco mode. So a supercharged 6.3 that gets twenty mid-20s miles to the gallon is not an insane motor in a vehicle that weighs 6,000 pounds that's armored. That's not overkill. That's just actually a really good amount of power for a vehicle when you want a ton of low-end torque and you want to be able to cruise on the highway as well. Yeah. 
so that we've we've come a long way. An eight-speed transmission with a ton of horsepower and torque is a great motor and transmission for an off-road vehicle. I'm cautiously optimistic about this R2.8. It's been used a lot in vehicles overseas. There's a bunch, I mean, if you read, you know, it's all over the forums and lots of people have lots of, lots of ripe or lots of rich debate over it being Chinese built and kind of the challenges associated. So we'll see. Like I I said, 300 feet pound of torque and 162 horsepower. I think in that FJ40 is going to give me plenty. I'll be able to cruise all day, 75, get good gas mileage and that's the vehicle that when i have so before the show started i was talking about you know my kids are 19 21 23 i'm grandchildren are on my mind and at some point when i find that first grandchild that you get that genuine auto enthusiast vibe from them when they turn 16 they're getting the keys to this this is their vehicle and so i'm building it that way i'm gonna build it to be the most amazing vehicle for somebody who's a true auto enthusiast well if any 16. of your kids want to adopt us you just <laughs> yeah, I, mean, we can, I mean we, we have the spirit yes we do <laughs> so katie dan alex you heard that if yeah, you're yeah. Uh, there, apparently there's bidding wars about to start uh so we'll maybe we go. go up a GoFundMe. uh who knows who knows what you might make out of it if you want to adopt a 38 year old you just let us know <laughs> Yeah, it's okay no. to adopt somebody that's older than you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Nothing wrong with that. It's just nice to be at a point where I can sort of think that way. And like I said, I just, I want to, I'm worried about the next generations of enthusiasts. And it feels like, you know, among the auto enthusiasts, that passion is still there. But you look more broadly than that. And I just worry that there's, the the passion is dying in general for, for autos and being in control and being a manual, dri- learning how to drive a manual, all that stuff. And Dan and I are laughing because, I mean, we some of the previous prep episodes when we were down in Monterey, we we held a little morning breakfast about that, and talked to uh, Wade Kawasaki and people like that, leaders of SEMA, about the next generation and how we were worried about that. And we were we were very specifically talking about the off road industry and the vintage pre war, the fact that people aren't the younger generation. Not a lot us. of millennials are like, ooh, a Duesenberg. Yeah, we exactly. are, but yeah. space to Suga. store a twenty five foot car. Volvo Suga. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but it's <sighs> it's Sorry. tough. And flushing <laughs> over here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's all the clint. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is it is it is a problem, and and I like that enthusiasm. It's like the first one, that, you know, the, you know, the next version that that likes the cars and wants to play. And can it be? And in today's day and age, it's, it can be male and or female. Yeah, That's right. Exactly. Both. I don't know how many people what we've done brake jobs for. And which is a pretty simple, straightforward thing most of the time, assuming things aren't seized and you don't have electronic parking brakes that require special tools. But it just have people have never been taught just how the basics of hydraulics work or that like this is something you can do. It's not hard. I, I knew none of that. And the Pinsgar has been a great tool for me learning yeah. and kind of getting out, but especially with, you know, YouTube these days and, you know, being able to search the internet, like you can find everything about everything. Any th- single job you need to do, you can go watch a quick video and go do it yourself. And yeah, and challenge yourself. Have somebody looking over your shoulder. Let's take another quick break, and we come back. We're going to talk about some of the stuff you're doing with Avance now, which yeah. is super exciting. That made me really happy to hear. So we'll talk about it when we get right back. That's the third time I got um, And we're back. Um, <laughs> this is your own fault. You looked at me and said, do you want to bring us back? And I said, oh, I'll think of something. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to leave that in there. Okay, I'm just going to make the sensor beep longer. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that, that, gonna... that actually makes it better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I said was... No. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we were talking about before the break with Bob here, Chris or whatever, Ben, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just an insight. Daddy's joke. search and rescue. As Rainier pours out <laughs> yeah, your nose. Exactly. Well, won't be the first time. Won't be the last time. As usual, we're drinking Rainier. Just be careful of the mic. Hey, this this weekend is National R Day, so it, is. it, it will be it yeah. is the sixth. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're working. Uh, 
So on a whim, I, I go through my friends list on occasion and I find my car enthusiast buddies. I'm like, oh, they're not a member of Avance. Why aren't you here, Carl? I know you're listening to this. That's for you Carl know Noak. who you are. Yeah, it's for Carl Noakes. We're calling Carl you out. Noakes. Previous guest, yeah. Carl, who's not a member of Avance yet. Is this Carl that has a bunch of Land Rover Defenders? No. This oh, is I'm Carl. calling that Carl out then. Oh, right. okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Carl. Yeah. Seems like a Carl issue here. <laughs> it is a bit of a Damn Carl dirty issue. Carls. Damn dirty Carls. Oh, <laughs> oh you Carl, have to beat yourself. People. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so you're, uh, I, I was just going through one day. I was like, oh, he's not a member of Avance yet. So I added him to the group. The next thing I know, <laughs> he's running the group. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So I have been talking with uh, Adam forever, ever since I started. It was like, hey, have you reached out to Mule to get an off-road thing here yet? Because there's a ton of off-road here, a ton of off-road. And for a state that hates vehicles and is run by a complete moron, we have a ton of off-road vehicles still. Yeah. And so you joined up, and now Adam is working with you to do a whole off-road segment with Avance. Yes. And keep that going. Yeah, so Adam obviously through you know, the relationship with Ben and the e-garage video and kind of knowing about the Pinsgauer and then finding out that I have a bunch of other 4x4s, I've owned a bunch of other 4x4s, he's like, hey, this is an idea I've always had, would love to kind of do some more off-road focused stuff. What do you think? And so we got together. We had some beers, and well, I had a beer. He drank. He's very healthy. Um, I know it's it, an, it's annoying. It is I, annoying I how healthy like, is. Yeah. I felt. I mean, I felt like, guilty for just so a moment. Shape? Yeah, exactly. But my beer was so good, I quickly forgot it. Um, and we had some burgers and beer, and uh, chatted for a bit. And where I do want to punch him sometimes. I just yeah. <laughs> so, but we are we are going to spin up an off road arm, and um, you know he's done some great leg work. He has a really clear framework. He has a great passion and vision for just how auto enthusiasts get involved, uh, and. And so we're just going to layer that same formula into the off-road space. I'm going to do some, I've reached out some buddies, you know, at Masterpole and, and Vision X and some other places and uh, not going to reveal the whole list of people until I kind of got signatures from everyone. But um, we're going to have some great deals with some great partners. In our state, we've got kind of a wealth of riches. You know, Warren has a great part of their social media team is based here over on the Olympic Peninsula, actually. Um, the Ivy big factory down or part of their offices Oregon. down in Oregon. Uh, ARB is in this area and a whole bunch of other, we have some really great brands here in the Pacific Northwest yep. and they're excited to partner with us and come and help pass on some knowledge and teach us some stuff about their industry and what you know what, what you need to know about those things we'll do some great driving events um, we're gonna do some clinics so we'll, we'll if you've got a winch or you've got a high lift jack or you've always been curious about those things you don't know how to use them we're gonna pass on sort of what we've learned through search and rescue and, and other backgrounds and give you a chance to learn that stuff you picked up one of those new ARV jacks yet the funny thing so uh, maybe uh, I keep looking answer. at it, but I, I want somebody to, to look at it. For, so I'm a, I, so I use a thing called a safety jack, um, which is it's a company in Idaho, I believe. And what they do is they take a regular bottle jack and they build a series of adapters that get you more foundation below and more extensions above. You can get almost the exact same level, not the 60 inch, but you can certainly get close to the 48 inch level out of a bottle jack with a lot more stability and functionality in a much smaller package. Uh, so that's what I personally use. That's what I teach when I teach off-road jacking. Uh, I typically bring a high left jack <laughs> do you need a moment I nick did, <laughs> like, i did my nick best i was doing real good there for there. a minute yeah. talking about framework and stuff but off-road jacking is where, <laughs> where i draw the line we're a very diverse group yeah, i teach a wide variety of back backcountry skills different hand grip i mean no um no. but when when covering you know now i can't even say jacking <laughs> with a straight face um we're just use the fine. use of a jack um <laughs> it's good thing it's a ladies <laughs> week next week yeah um, I, we, you know, we cover high lift as well, but, um, yeah, I, I'm very interested in the, in the hydraulic. It's kind of the mix of those two things. Yeah. The price right now is very, 
uh, exorbitant. Very ARB. Uh, it's very ARB. They're very proud of their stuff. They should be. Yeah, they build great nice stuff. stuff. Yeah, I've got uh, one of their compressors. I got a lot of their stuff, actually. <laughs> a lot of their stuff. I actually have a couple of ARB compressors, so... Yeah, but yeah, I've been looking at it. I'm, I've been talking with John Matthews down at um, Auburn Car Repair and Off Road, um, who's big in the four wheel. You know, if you need off road stuff and you're down in the South area, can't can't recommend his team highly enough. And so he and I have been talking, and he actually has one that a customer ordered and didn't take. Uh, and so he's like, he made me a really good deal on it. So I'm like, now I'm really tempted. My mind's <laughs> telling me no. <laughs> but the problem is, is the minute I'm like, oh, that's a great deal, then my brain goes to all of the BMW parts sitting in boxes in my office and then all of the four by all the fj40 parts for the cummins conversion sitting in boxes in my garage that i haven't even opened yet and i think uh so unrelated what's your home address (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm gonna i'm gonna switch gears a little bit people always complain we actually don't go long enough so i'm just gonna let this one go a little longer because there's something i want to talk about that is totally off topic okay you have the coolest home office i've ever seen in my life (laughs) (laughs) that is that is a side and there's there's photos of it but i i all the nerds out here who listen to our podcast he just called you a nerd yeah but remember that i shouldn't even say that anymore because it's mainstream now but you have a lord of the rings inspired office i do that is legit and he's wearing he he walked in wearing a zelda triforce shirt so and i think i'm wearing star oh no i'm wearing shovel knight belt oh i'm very yes i'm definitely very nerdy very gamer and culture minded so now now the lord of the rings uh Lego thing we were talking about earlier. Lord of the Rings Lego makes a lot more sense. So uh, I was sitting in my office one day and I was supposed to be working. I had a spec that I needed to be working on. I had a bunch of sections I was thinking about and I didn't want to be thinking about those things. So I kind of leaned back and I looked up and I have this octagonal shaped office at my house and there's this big white expanse. And I looked up and in my brain, I was just like, I need something when I want to not, I want to get into a different brain space. I need something up there. And that sort of started me down this path. Uh, and I saw some, uh, an art piece on DeviantArt, um, which is a place for very clean, very family oriented art. Um, that's actually not true. Uh, not don't go to, de- no orcs. <laughs> <laughs> that's a complete opposite but of what I did I happen yeah. in searching for a Lord of the Rings art on DeviantArt. I did happen to see this art piece and I'm like that is the perfect sort of inspiration for what I wanted and so I posted on Facebook that I wanted that I had this idea I wrote a design doc as PMs do uh, it's like an eight-page de- design doc of what I imagined envisioned for my which is by the way what I did with mule which is sort of how all the custom work on pins started I wrote this design doc and took it down and met with Joe anyways I, I wrote a design doc posted on Facebook and just met with some people and there's this lady Teresa Hennessy uh her um I don't know if I can provide her information. It's yeah, I'll put it up. Because so, yeah, I want, I'll throw some pictures of this. She's phenomenal. You guys got to see this. For anybody who's a fan of Lord of the Rings, nerdy or not, you got to see this. And he's posted some pictures online. So if you follow Star Pins, I think there's some on there. There is a couple, yeah. yeah but I was I'll, just looking. I couldn't find them, but I, I, I definitely want to see this. I didn't yeah, know I'll that. get yeah. it up there. I'll throw it on there because it's it's a sight to behold. And I was just nerding out completely. I, I met Teresa and we just instantly connected. And I knew she had the sensibility to deliver my vision. It took seven or eight months um, because she did it just in between other jobs uh and she sort of caught the vision for what i wanted and did this entire mural of the map of middle earth in the center with caricatures from and scenes from around the movie and the thing that we came up with which is just really cool is it's very balanced so if you go back and look at it now that i've told you this you'll see if you look across from each other there's good and evil directly opposite each other all the way around the circle around the octagon and so you have sort of gandalf on the uh, great eagle on the upper right corner and then you have the fell beast you've got the 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 witch king's riding on his fell beast directly across from him. And you sort of have that light and dark all the way around. So it's just a very balanced piece. And it's just cool. It's just nerdy cool. Found it. 
<laughs> Congratulations. Wow. Right? I, I th- from just a second, I thought you were back on jacking. Oh, but, no. But, I, but, but I you was. got excited looking There's at your very phone. very few things jacking in your office. Um, but yeah. Oh, wow. Holy crap. Right? I see. So, I, I wouldn't have brought it up if it wasn't so no. cool. It's so, so worth then, looking But at. then I did all the weapons from the movie. I'm seeing that. Floated yeah. around in each yes. of the corners of the room. So you've got So why, know, Lord, why Lord of the Rings? Um, just, you know, nerd. Two things. One, just sort of I'm generally nerdy and into fantasy. I've got a tattoo that I just had done that represents all my kids. And it's okay. got my son represented as a dragon holding a steampunk rose, which represents my oldest daughter, with a steampunk butterfly flying by, which represents my youngest daughter. Just always been into cool. sort of fantasy dragons, that sort of thing. That's awesome. So Lord of the Rings, obviously, Game of Thrones, all those franchises just appeal to that sort of nerd culture in me. Well, I'm with you. Uh, and then Lord of the Rings, especially my, with my kids, that there's so much connection there. We went on that journey together, both the books and then the, the movie series. And so there's just so much about my family connected to that that when i look up and i see that stuff and or walk into that room i sort of get that we were talking experience. before you got here because obviously he was we were look we were talking lego and they did a huge family vacation where they just basically put the movie on and bought all the lord of the ring sets and built them and and when i and, and when i say all the lord i mean all the lord of the <laughs> ring really sets cool. and then we had this massive orc army battle in this huge lodge because you can't we had yeah. like 12 people there like friends and family and stuff like that all and uh, staged this massive battle and that was you know way back when my kids well that was just a few years ago actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that was last week um, you know no so, it's, yeah. that's great no i mean i was I grew up Lord of the Rings and Tolkien, and I mean, I, I love. I, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy and Star yep. Wars and stuff, but that's just like. Well, I had to fly to Beijing for work, and I watched the entire Lord of the Rings series, extended versions, and uh, the Hobbit series on the, on the way there and on the way back. So I finished the whole set back to back on the way there. That's about right. I, Twelve hours. Yeah. So I was like, I need. What can I keep? What can I do for a solid day of yes. being stuck on a plane and zone out with? So. I was like, well, I got an outlet, so that means I can put in noise-canceling headsets and watch a no, lot of long movies. And that, that fantasy, it's, it's fun because, you know, you're in this world, and as much as we love cars, you, you have to love other things, too, so. Yeah, it's funny. I was, <laughs> we actually got a piece of, well, it's not listener mail. It's somebody who was listening to our podcast a lot at work, and they were asking me, uh, it was a newer employee, and she, she was saying, she goes, do you do anything else but cars? Do you like anything <laughs> else but cars? She's like, because I've looked at your Instagram and your Facebook, and that's pretty much everything. Yeah. Is like, like she's the first woman to ask you and I that. <laughs> can we do anything but cars? No, no, we didn't have time for anything else but cars. Yeah. Can we? Can we jump back to Vance just really yeah, quick? Yeah, 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 one thing I forgot to say that I meant to say. Never. No, no, sorry, that's right. I, I just wanted to say the off-road thing is something that's just spinning up. We have some initial ideas. Talk to some great companies. Some great stuff coming. If you have any, if this is an area where you're interested and you have passion about off-roading you have passion about vehicles or you're just curious and you want to learn uh one of the things we're gonna do is ride-alongs so if you always wanted to get into off-roading but you didn't know how or just wanted to understand what it is uh i have room for nine people in my in the pins gar when we go out plus other people have already said they'd make room available shoot me an email ben at avance.com and say hey i want to get involved or i have stuff and if you want to get in the back of Ben's Pensgauer, go in the woods and learn how to jack. <laughs> Avance wow. is the that one to came do it across with. very badly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just right. It's yeah, hard to or say. right. Yeah. But yeah, definitely we're looking for input. We're looking for or if you have an you know, off-road and you know, focused business or idea, uh, definitely let us know and, and we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and Dan is right. I mean, if you're not a member of Avance, go in, find find somebody that is a member of Avance, have them make you a member on the online and then join because it is everybody goes, Oh, it's just a great place for 
for finding car things. It's not. I mean, people have found me for the financial side of things. <laughs> yeah, it's no, just it, amazing to me. Like, it's a wonderful it's base group. Awesome community. And Adam does a really great job of of managing it and making sure that it's not. Well, that's the trick. Is uh, the reason other car clubs don't do as well or simply aren't as good is because they don't have somebody 100% dedicated full time to making the car community better. That's where Adam excels so well. As one, he's just a good guy, but also he's done what nobody else is doing. He's made this his sole focus. And so he, the quality control of the people and the brands and everything else is incredible. Well, after you added me, I just kind of started hanging out on the Facebook page and I had never been to an event. I had never, I didn't really didn't even understand the Avant's vision fully. Yeah. And when the announcement a lot came of us out That's and, why the we had him back on. <laughs> and the announcement came out for the charter membership, yeah. I just sent my money. Like Absolutely. I was like, I just based on the people connection and the community, that was enough for me. It's like, this is a group I want to be connected to because they're like-minded, they're positive, they're supportive. They had great responses and just kind of, I could tell that I was getting more value than what little though being asked for so it was an easy decision for me yeah it's I, everybody i brought in there has just been like thank god this exists because there's nothing out there like it you see other facebook groups and car groups and you just kind of cringeworthy to say the least and trust me i've moderated quite a few of them and i'm no longer moderating a few of them and yeah you and me both it's just because it, it, the community well, everybody gets along and that doesn't happen like i mean there, I there's people in there from the exotic community the off-road community the tuner community everything and everybody gets along and if you don't there are consequences, which I like. If you go to a forum and, 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 and you try to post a question, you just get bombarded with, use the search button, use the search button. I'm like, I know how to search. I work in tech. I have searched endlessly. The answer I need has not been presented in a way I can consume it I for what I'm trying to do. I want somebody did it to like, tell me about yes. it. That's the point. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's professional advice too. We get a, I, I've preached this over, again, over and time and time again on here. If you want an actual opinion on something, everybody's going to have an opinion. But if you talk to somebody who does this for a living, you're going to get one that makes a lot more sense. If I have a detail question, I'm like when we were talking to John about stuff, and I'm a detailing enthusiast. I've been playing with cars my whole life, and keeping them clean and not damaged is a big deal for my exotics, and the off-road stuff's a different story, but... But I was, we were even talking about washing cars. He's like, no, 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 you do it this way. And we're like, <laughs> I just listened to that episode. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing that wrong. That was, was my favorite <laughs> response from you on the last one that I listened to. Yeah. And it's just, and that's the kind of things you can ask in a group like that because you've got actual professionals who that's do right. this for a living. And it's supportive. I, like, I yeah. felt good asking questions because I got positive response and it just felt supportive. And I just not belittling, which so much you hear from in a lot of the other car groups. Yeah, when he posted that off-road thread, it just exploded. Yeah. They were just like, oh, I can't wait. And people who were sort of on the fence about it quickly changed their tune. They're like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. This actually looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. One of the fun things we did is it's not the, the hardcore stuff is a whole different animal. And I work with a guy, uh, Vince. I know he listens. He's got a Jeep that he races in King of Hammers. Oh, oh like, yeah. Crazy off-road guy. Yeah. But he was one of the funnest things he does. And he's got kids. He's got a family and all that. He's like. We were talking about it at work the other day on a barbecue. Go up in the snow, pop a table, throw your barbecue out, and just hang out in the snow with your kids. So they play yep. around in the, in the snow, and we barbecue dogs or burgers and just all hang out. So I, I went to the same place off 5510 that you went to, yeah. but I forgot the grill at home. <laughs> so, But I did have my m big Mr. Buddy, big uh, heater, yeah. propane heater. So we just laid that on its side, put the hot dogs in there, fired up the heater, and grilled <laughs> them. them up. They worked great. We've done it. Yep. We did have cold Absolutely. beer, so that was good. Have you seen the hot dogger? No. It's literally called the Hot Dogger. This is the brand name is Hot Dogger. And what it was designed to do was wrap around the exhaust pipe of two stroke snowmobiles. Oh, there and you, you go. put your water and your hot dogs and it boils the hot dogs while you ride. So you get wherever and your hot dogs are ready to go as soon as you arrive. Well, 
I've used one of these things for years off road. I used to take it to just my dirt bikes Rather or anything else. And yeah, <laughs> good to go. when I had my RX seven, which was a pile of crap, but the turbo got nice and hot, so I could just put it kind of in there next to the turbo, and it would cook hot dogs for you. But there you go. Anyway, this yeah. has been a ton of fun, guys. The the off road community is tons of fun, and it's different here. It, it's it's funny how it's changed. Like when I grew up in Arlington, and I grew up in this little. When, when I grew up in Arlington, it was a farming town. It was yeah. a hick town. We, we lived in Arlington Heights, my wife and I, when we first got married. I lived up there. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Small nerds. nerds. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was the wrong time. I apologize. Yeah, no. Farm nerds. <laughs> At that time, it would have been yeah. rednecks, yeah, so we exactly. didn't have stoplights. Oh, sorry. Rednecks. <laughs> I remember when we got our first stoplight. I'm old. I remember. Yeah. The McDonald's there in the Safeway. Yeah. But anyway. Old nerds. <laughs> But it's like the Microsoft and Amazon and Google have drastically changed the demographic of off-roading. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like you'll go out and off-road with guys. <laughs> we were out there in the Land Cruiser and these guys, we were kind of stuck in the road taking it easy. And these guys came by blasting by us like 40 miles an hour on Tinkum with these. Well, they dropped it into the ditch yeah, like they just where we were avoiding. Come, yeah. They just went straight off into the ditch and up. And it was, I'm looking at these rigs. I'm like, this thing is just beat to crap. And I'm, then I'm looking at a suspension rolls by. And I was like, that guy's like $15,000 <laughs> in <right>. suspension. <laughs> Spend it where it counts. Yeah, on this Jeep. There's some hatred. We just did a, Dan knows about it. We just did a, a, a drive actually with Land Rover. We took my parents' Discovery Sport and they invited us. And I thought it was going to be like, this one of these like, oh, we're going down double track. But like we went up to, um, to who? To Huli, to Huli. And like, I was so impressed by this car, but the, we were supposed to be there Saturday and Sunday, and they're like, we're going to push everything to Saturday because the Jeep guys are coming in on Sunday, and we don't want to be up there. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I get that, yeah. But I it, used to, as, a, as a recovering Jeep guy, I understand. Recovering? I'm thinking about becoming Hi, my name's Chris, and I'm a recovery. Oh, wait, uh, Brian, Ben. I had a JL, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a JL, JK. and I'm sorry. J- I had a JK, sorry. I'm, now they're coming out with this new diesel, I'm thinking about it, just because I, I like snow wheeling more than anything, and yeah. it's, it's tough I, to snow wheel anything without 44s or 40s around here. As long as FCA is in charge, I'm just nervous. I just The quality control on my JK was so I know. bad. And so I, I hope. I hope. There's nothing like it on the market you can just take and immediately head out into the back country pretty easily uh, and get into a lot of places. That's a really um, good point. There is nothing on the market. No. Like, I mean, Hummer's gone. I mean, not, you, not that that was really. Bronco, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Gotta, I have a feeling that's going to end up being more pretty. Oh, have, I think they're going to screw You see the new, uh, what is it, Ranger Raptor or whatever? I I'm I want one of those too. They were, they were uh, thrashing on one at the uh, Xbox event in uh england for the horizon they had yeah, a, they yeah. had a, they had yeah and they were thrashing and i was like i was pretty impressed i mean obviously it was a bunch of bloggers that were or, or youtubers well, that were the doing raptor's it, still cool, good. But it's so wide you're not going to do a lot of wheeling I mean, forest roads you're going to go exploring around here that's great but it's really a pre-runner that's, i loved my raptor yeah. i could not drive it anywhere yeah exactly it's, it was, it's huge uh that's the nice thing about the 100 is it's actually pretty narrow compared to most vehicles but again it's about 300 horsepower underpowered and it gets about nine feet to the gallon. Did you, did you see? You know, are you guys either familiar with the YouTuber Salamandran? Oh yeah, of course. Have you seen his Raptor? What they did him and Gas? No. Basically, he made he, the the goal was to make a pre runner with a Rolls Royce interior, and this thing is insane. Like, and they're gonna sell them. Like, it's gonna be a, like like they're gonna make like ten of them or something like that. But like, and I'll find you a photo. In fact, we'll put one up. But it is absolutely it looks like something that sh- somebody should have been done with a raptor when raptor came out and long before they took out the good engine 
So it's funny. I've been having this conversation with Ashley from Haggerty. She's a yep. good friend of ours. And I've been, after doing the, the Haggerty Fall Classic Tour with those guys, with uh, Classic Car Adventures, if you guys haven't looked them up and you have a classic car, you have to go look them up. That was one of the most fun things I've ever done in a car. And I didn't even drive. Just cool people and a good time and back roads. But I've been thinking, like, you know, it'd be fun to get a classic car. And I keep going, maybe I want, like, a classic Bronco or I want uh, an FJ40 or something like that. We're just admiring pictures Sorry. over here. <laughs> Easily distracted. Hey, that microphone's on, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rookie oh, move. Hey, why did you ever, have you ever been on a podcast No, before? this is my first <laughs> podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I keep going back. I'm like, you know what would be really great is if I got a classic off-roader, like a Bronco or something. Then I start adding up the costs. Oh, yeah. And it's like, hmm, do I want a McLaren or a classic off-roader? <laughs> Pretty much. That's really where it's at. Because I'm that guy. I'm like, I want a classic off-roader with a modern motor that I can drive anywhere because I use my stuff hard. I yeah. drive everything, street or off-road or whatever. I I rack up miles. Yeah, but you don't care about the body. Like like Pe- you like you mentioned yeah. about the Jeep guy. Well, I mean, you do, but my point is like the Jeep yeah. guys, like everything, like that Jeep we saw the one time at Mule. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the cantilever, cantilever suspension, suspension and everything. I mean, I'm, but, and you looked at it and you went, I mean, and a Hemi engine and all that. I mean, and it was a $150,000 Jeep. Yeah, that's me. But the Jeep was scraped and I'm going, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I, I want to be able to get in someplace. Which brings up a question. What happens when you get stuck? Who comes and gets you? I have only <laughs> been stuck once and I self-recovered. Oh, okay. Well, that's cheating. Yeah. You're, well, <laughs> Mr. Fancy Pants over here is sponsored by Masterpool. I, I'm not sponsored by anyone. Masterpole, we do a lot of stuff together, and uh, they have generously provided some equipment, mostly towards search and rescue. They put a bunch of gear in our command vehicles and so on, but they've given me some of their early designs to get some feedback because I know I use my stuff, and so I have quite a bit of gear, quite a bit of their gear. I once had to, we pulled a snowmobile that was down 500 saw feet, that. and I had enough gear. Hijacking. In, and uh, what was it called? <laughs> Master Polar. <laughs> okay. Um, Are you sure you're in the off-road industry, sir? <laughs> very much, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had enough gear to be able to do a triple pull setup because we had to set up double runs all the way down so that when we Dang. got to a place in the pulley, we could switch to the other line and so on to work its way all the way up. But I had enough well, on, gear you, on hand to be able to do that. Well, so, yeah. shout out to Master Pull then for Master pull. helping we us ha- out. We yeah. had to do that once with a snatch block. Remember when we were rescuing those kids and we, we, we had to we try had triple, to get some... Triple. Oh, yeah. We had to, yeah, that was kind of... No, it was afterwards. It was when I had the in, the incident after the gumbo, and we were we had slid down, and we had to remember we had yeah. This, I, I snatched sideways off a tree because I had to pull a vehicle yep. horizontally. Well, so you I, pulled yourself from underneath. Or, remember we did something weird like that. It was like I, I had you'd snatched to the tree, and then you snatched to your back bumper to pull yourself out. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a self recovery. Self recovery. Yeah. So you run us up to a tree in front of you, over yeah. a tree to the side back to a tree behind and then yeah. you connect to your own bumper and then as you pull amazing. it pulls back. I know but that's still amazing. This is why I have at least three snatch boxes. I'm aware. Right. Oh, every yeah. time. Yeah. 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 As the road crew to your uh, yeah. your cruiser. <laughs> uh, yeah. I tell you I love it when people get stuck. That is the oh, most too. fun is just getting all the gear and figuring out the angles and you oh, know, I trying stuff it. you never I tried. I say that we've never gotten stuck but there's points of it but I'm like well we've never gotten stuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's just it is, is when we were up there I'm, I'm pretty good about just kind of piece. It. I'm very good at with the, the ripple effect of things. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, oh, I can see the yeah, yeah. five steps ahead when I'm off road. And so it's like, I know where this guy's going. He's going to get stuck. But if I do this, I throttle here. I can usually figure that out. It's, it comes from r- growing up riding off road and yeah, doing four by four and stuff when I was in high school. Yep. That was uh, Chris Shirley from Trails End Tap House yep. in Snohomish. He's an old buddy of mine. We used to go four by four and up at Walker Valley when we were kids and get stuck up there till five in the morning. Yeah, Walker's rough. Yeah. And he had a, a forerunner, the proper kind. The roof comes off. Yep. Yeah. 
But anyway. Oh, that re- like two-door rear clam? Yeah, the good one. My aunt had one of those, and I don't think it ever went off-road. Which And it had the... On That's the, the kind dash, you want to buy and modify now. It had on the dash like, where it would show the angle of approach. <laughs> yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so his, cool. man, we... We use that thing. That was those sliders got used as sliders. It was like, well, if we go fast enough, we bounce off that tree. We can get through there, and we did. <laughs> I, I remember one time in my eighty Toyota two wheel drive or two door, just like just the regular cab four by four. You know the old yeah. pickup trucks. The I had thirty threes, and they're stuck out so wide. One time when everybody was getting stuck, we just went over into the ditch, laid it completely on its side on the face of the tires, and just rolled straight down the yeah. ditch, and then popped back up. Um, it was just like you didn't care about the truck because I, you know, it was all rusted through. It was two different colors as it was. What was that when we were coming down with those those idiots in the suburban? There was that guy in like a Suzuki. It was a, it wasn't a Suzuki. No, it looked like a Samurai, but I think it was a Plymouth or a Dodge something or other. Um, I can't even remember what it was. It's a, it's a it's a Plymouth Dodge Chrysler badge, but I think it's on a Mitsubishi chassis. I can't remember the but name. But he of it. had what thirty fours. Uh, he was going mid thirty snow tires though. Snow they tires, were, and they were down to like seven eight psi. But he had a uh, a worn. It was a competition winch. So I've seen oh, win- yeah, yeah. fast winches, but this thing probably weighs two thousand pounds. It was a, it had a diesel in it. Uh, it's all OEM. Like I said, it's a JDM import that yep. he had built. That it didn't look too crazy, but that winch man. He would go through snow that I wouldn't even dare drive my cruiser. They were up to yeah. his doors. Yeah, up to his doors. He, he was running burp. up and down the hill rescuing people. And then when he had to tow somebody about, he'd slam it into the ditch and try to get it stuck just so that he could pull somebody out and have the weight. And yeah, and yeah he so. would use his to get stuck as an anchor. So he would his vehicle was an anchor because he knew he could just winch himself out, but he would use himself as an anchor to pull people out of the ditch because he didn't have enough weight. It was ingenious. Automotive pull pal. Well, and half yeah. the time he didn't need to winch himself out. He'd get himself stuck and then drive out. Yeah. <laughs> so... so. I miss winter. Oh, wait, it's almost winter. Yay! Yay, us! Winter's my favorite. I know, we're all excited as off-roaders here. And we hope, if you're listening to this, we've drummed up a little bit of interest for you guys. I hope you guys check out Avance. If you're a car enthusiast and you're not a member of Avance, again, they're not paying us for this. We just think it's one of the best things that's ever happened to the car community. And if you haven't tried off-road, this is your opportunity to get into it without spending, oh, you don't even want to know how much is into my Land Cruiser. And that's... Not even close to what the Pinsgauer or something Lots like that. Lots of money, a couple of my fingernails. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think a broken knuckle as of Saturday. Did you? Yeah, yeah. literally. Okay. I'm all bruised up there. Well, so I'll show you some, picture, some pictures oh, afterwards of wow, the Pinsgauer buried to the front, and you're literally as a pushing snow. But yeah, we'll we'll put you in a vehicle. We'll take you up. We'll get you some basics. If you have a vehicle already, we'll get you some. How do you use it? And yeah. we'll introduce you to some of the best brands. So you kind of learn, and they're going to teach you, you know, directly how to use this stuff to the best of its ability, and you know, get you educated, get you connected with some like-minded people, and I get you some experiences. You, Dan and I will be there. Yes, awesome. I mean, guaranteed. I, I, I don't know when it will be, but I guarantee it will be there. Yeah, and yeah. that's another First event coming soon. Yeah. If you don't have an insane amount of money, but you have an all-wheel drive vehicle or a four-wheel drive vehicle, it's still worth going and doing this stuff because you'd be surprised how far you can go if you know what you're Just doing. Just a, a few basics. That's yeah, right. get a few basics, understand how your vehicle works, things like that. Did you know, for example, the Kia Sorento, Sorento V6, has a locking center differential? Really? Yep, standard. Was it an accident? <laughs> exactly. So, it, so all wheel somebody dri- grabbed the wrong part from the parts <laughs> bin. So, full time four wheel drive like Land Cruisers, things like that. Instead of a transfer case, they have a locking center differential. It basically does the same thing. So, you're mm-hmm. basically like 80, 90% rear wheel drive with a 10, 20% bias to the front if you have an all wheel drive vehicle. 
that's not, it doesn't have an active or locking center differential. Click the button, 50-50 power split front to rear. That's how that works. You can run at any speed. It's actually more of a safety feature if you're in the snow than anything else. But you'd be surprised how a vehicle like that, who pretty much anybody can buy if you've got, you know, a third row seats for your family or whatever you want. But these inside of snow tires, you'd be surprised what kind of fun you can have just you know, scouting out fire roads, exploring areas that you can't normally go in winter. You just got to know what you're doing. I'm more I, worried about why you were on the Kia site. Uh, a friend of mine has one as a family vehicle, <laughs> and I got in it, and I was looking at it. And I was like, wait, really? I had no idea. And sure yeah. enough, locking center diff. Well, I, and I think we, we, we touched on this before. Like, nobody's out there. And like you were talking about the Bronco. And I keep looking at that, and I keep thinking I that Ford is going to screw it up. It's oh, going to yeah. be pretty. You I know. worry you're right. Yeah. I suspect you're right. Like our <laughs> We're new find out. SUV Chevrolet Blazer that makes me sad on every way. We had a friend of ours that was looking at getting a new Tahoe, fully loaded, that was over $100,000 and not even a Cadillac. Yep. Which means Suburbans are even more... I, do you, I mean, all of us here, all us aging ones, I mean, I mean remember when Camaros were 15000 and Suburbans were like thirty five, Like... What the hell? Uh, you know, that's why... The, In my day! That's why, the Mus- <laughs> that's why the Mustangs are killing the Camaros, because they have that four-cylinder EcoBoost, which is selling really well, and it's still less than 30 grand. I think it's like 22, 23,000. Yes, but did they need to stick it in a Raptor? None of the, the four-cylinder EcoBoost. No, okay, sorry, but still, did they need to stick an EcoBoost in the Raptor? <sighs> you know, it works, though. You got to hand it to them. That, t- that 3.5 EcoBoost with the 10-speed works. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's, I want the V8. I want gonna the limit to buy a truck. That's what the it's sound. Not about yeah. the, it's, it's about the sound. It's about the, the power. I mean, you you know, I don't know. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm with you. Man. I'm, I'm, off my, I'm off my Apple box I'm or soap box or whatever it is. But No replacement just, for displacement. I, I'm, LS, ah, I'm, ah, a, ah. I'm an LS swap the world guy. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Sorry. I'm afraid I'm a no bow, bow ties guy. Oh, whatever. Well, Although, that ends today's Colorado. podcast. No, you're <laughs> too diesel. Sorry, <laughs> Colorado. I'm like. I told uh. you we can take the engine out of your vet. That's right. And put it in the cruiser. That's right. It needs it drastically. Oh, well, dramatically. That might be overkill. We'll no. Put, what if we put the engine from your cruiser into the vet? It would. <laughs> that would ruin both cars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Paddle shifters on the cruiser. So apparently he's not the ideas guy. No. <laughs> it took you this long to figure that I'm out. A little slow yeah, in that exactly. thing. I, I'm still thinking about like an 80 series with an LS swap. To be fair, you've only plied me with one can of social lubricant. It's a good so. point. It's a good point. Hey, so. I asked you if you wanted more right you here. You did. You did ask. Social lubricant. <laughs> as far as social lubricant goes, this is a pretty low volume of lubricant. Just we're not so we're going quick. for the Balmer Peak today. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I think that kind of wraps up today's. And wraps. You know, yeah, we'd, we'd really like to help, uh, you know, Matt or whatever the hell his name is here from Penske. It's uh, Brandon Ben Powell is his yeah. actual name, listeners. I'll post it somewhere in the blog for you to find it. Wonderful, wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time. Like, I know you're a busy guy, and obviously with Search and Rescue and all that, but uh, to share to share this with the world, and, you know, thanks for bringing it out to Exotics, and thanks for doing what you do. I so. would stop and talk to anybody in the store about cars, so <laughs> to get and come and talk to some enthusiasts. Okay, so Absolutely. we're not special. That's right. um, <laughs> just always time to talk just, automotive. Anything else you sure. want to kick us while you're down? He called him a nerd. Uh, I don't disagree. Yeah, no, I'm right there no. with you. But, yeah. but uh, thank you for coming. No, so it's been you know, a blast. Yeah. Yeah, thanks again, man. Yeah. Uh, For Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. Don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.